Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. If you would open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. And before we just jump on into the message. I want to just have a little pastoral moment here. Um, a lot of you guys know or may have gotten an email that um, one of our young families uh, lost their uh, little baby girl, Nora Nichols, um, died on uh, Friday morning at 6, and uh, just it's been a long journey with health issues and things, and um, very difficult difficult journey and uh, so we're our hearts are heavy for them and we're, we want to pray for them there's going to be a funeral here tomorrow morning at 11 and I mean it's going to be packed uh, Josh is a police officer so I'm sure there's going to be the police officer will be re- well represented you know here in the city and uh, so uh, we just want to pray for them so just just to, with a heart of compassion if you could just turn to the Lord with me here and, and I want to pray for them father I thank you for Josh and Valerie, I thank you for little baby Nora, Lord, and we just, uh, I, I especially ask that you would bring comfort to this family, to their larger family. A lot of, they have a lot of family in Fort Worth. Bring comfort, uh, to everyone. Bring comfort to those in the church that, that were especially close to them, especially in the Brush Life Group. And, uh, Lord, bring healing and bring help. And, uh, Lord, I ask, I just thank you too for Josh and Valerie's incredible witness just pointing to you trusting in you through dark hours and and uh, just giving you glory and honor with their lives and lord help us as we're grieving as a family but also to help and come around them and serve them and let the body be the body as we are loving on uh, a family that's really hurting right now we bless them during this hard time and thank you for them and lead them through this time in jesus mighty name amen okay so, um, wow, do you ever have one of those just like it's like I almost didn't know if I was going to do this because there's just so many things happening right now and we need Jesus. And I'm just going to say we need Jesus Christ, who's the son of God. And um, there's just there's there's no hope like hope and faith and trust in Jesus. So the more you get pressed in life and have to go through things. Make sure that the pressure doesn't get between you and God, but make sure it just presses you closer to His heart. That's where you want to be. So, Ephesians 5, verse 31 and 32, and I'll get us into this. Paul says to the Ephesians, and he's quoting Genesis chapter 2. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So this is a, we're only doing two-part series here on, on marriage, and today is like open fire hydrant day on, on marriage <laughs> because we've got our dear brother and sister, Jordan and, Og, uh, Jordan and Christy Ogden. <laughs> Jordan Ogden, Christy. <laughs> Jordan and Christy Ogden, I'm sorry, uh, are here to do a marriage seminar this afternoon for us. It's going to be great. They're going to cover all the things that I'm too afraid to cover this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. Y'all are great at that stuff. They got a book. What's the book called? Uh, rebuilding Your Sexual Life. Okay, we're going to go ahead and say that right now. 
rebuilding your sexual house. <laughs> so we've got a marriage seminar coming on. Woo! Can I just get a few whoops out there? All right. Yeah. There's, there's sign up is still available. Four to seven this afternoon. Feel free to squeeze your spouse's your spouse's hand. And we're going to have a great time. All right. Uh, so last week, here's the thing. Last week, the whole message was kind of a theology of marriage. And we talked about this passage, uh, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. And we, we talked about how Paul reaches to both bookends of the Bible in, this, in these two verses. He reaches all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 and all the way forward to Revelation 21 and 22. And in these two verses, he brings kind of like, it's like the whole Bible comes together in the importance of marriage as a picture and a type of God's relationship of covenant with His people, Christ and the church. And so he's pulling all of that together here in Ephesians. And marriage is one of the ways, I mean, it's one of those themes that you can pull through the entirety of Scripture. God's love for His people. Marriage is that picture. And one of the things we talked about last week is that we want to live and lead out of healthy marriages. And we want to live and lead out of healthy singleness. Wherever we're at in life, we want to see the place that we're at in, in a vocational kind of understanding. It's a calling. If you're, while we're married, it's a calling. While we're single, it's a calling. Some people are vowed celibates. Some people are dedicated celibates until they get married. But that's part of the unique witness. We're, we stay focused on this. We, we have ambition for this. We have passion for this. And ultimately, our marriage, as I quoted Pete Scazzaro last week, uh, from the, the Emotionally Healthy Leader, our marriage is our loudest gospel witness and our singleness can also be our loudest gospel witness. So what we talked about last week was theology, the big picture, the scriptural. And this is almost like a could have been this, what I'm doing today could have been the second half of that of that sermon if we'd have had an hour and a half to just go straight. Right. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is you got a vision of Christ in the church. But how do we work that out? What are the practicals for working that out? And that's what we're talking about today. Practical stuff for working out the vision with the practical stuff of life. In marriage counseling, in pre-marriage counseling, all those kinds of things, they've got basically some, I don't want to oversimplify, but there are, there's, there's just some categories, some just basic kind of categories that everybody deals with. Issues like, what are we going to stand for as a couple? What are our expectations of each other? How do we communicate? What are we going to do about finances? What are we going to do about intimacy in marriage? Those, there, there's more. Somebody say, <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> there's more. But I mean, those are key core deals. And so here's the thing for today. The goal for today is to talk about bringing the big picture and the big issues together so that we can have healthy marriages and relationships. The big picture and the big issues. Everybody kind of do your hands like this because you're going to remember that we're actually bringing these things together. We've got a vision, but we're bringing it together with the practical stuff of life. Kim and I do that a lot. I shared that last week with Christ in the church. That's just been a huge thing for believing that our marriage will get better and better until the day we die. Okay, Because of Christ in the church. Um, but there's other ways of expressing it. Jordan and Christy are going to have unique ways of expressing. How do we do the big picture on the ground? 
you know, and I've got a, a friend from college. His name's Don Manning. Don Manning and I were roommates our senior year in college, and we weren't living for Jesus, didn't know the Lord. And uh, so uh, what I'm about to tell you is interesting <laughs> because um, I think he might have been as surprised as I was when I found out that he had become an elder of a church and helped to plant a church that's now 5,000 people in Louisville and multi-site campuses. And he didn't know I was connected. He knew I was a pastor, and we had that freak-out meal and talked about that. That was really, what? No, wow, wow. wow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but, uh, but he didn't know I was connected with Antioch. And a few uh, years, a couple years ago, we did one of those I was on one of those pastor interview things at World Mandate where they ask, somebody's asking a question, but it's not the question they really asked me. So he asks a question and I stand there and go, uh, uh, uh. and it was some other part that they didn't let me know the camera was on, you know, it was way funnier than how you guys are, re- are responding to this. It was actually very funny. And so Don Manning texts me in the middle of the world mandate. Hey, man, I'm watching you on the screen right now. I didn't know you were connected to Antioch. You know, and he's got two daughters that are on staff at Antioch College Station, and he's raised seven kids now. Don Manning. And he has a book called Crazy Cool Family. And they've got, you know, seven kids. I guess they got a little bit of authority in it. But their framework on the big picture stuff is pursue God, build relationships, create culture. Pursue God first, build relationships with God and each other, and create culture. And I was sharing that with Kim, and uh, he had sent me a copy of his book, and I was reading it. And oh, that was the other thing. He wrote this book. I was at lunch with him a couple of years ago, and said he was about to write a book. And I was like, "Wow, that's like your college roommate that writing a book about God." <laughs> it's just bizarre. Um, praise the Lord. It's exciting, and. Uh, and uh, what was that? Culture. And I was sharing that with Kim. And uh, just culture is a good word for what we're trying to do. We're trying to create and build a story, the Jamie and Kim story. And you're trying to build the Conan and Lindy story, you know, all around the room. And uh, we've all got, there's a culture things that we do. And then ultimately, as our kids are born, they start being raised up in that. And there's now there's a Chapitan culture. What's it look like to be Chapitans? What's it look like to be coxes, you know, and on around the room? There's there's culture that's happening. I just thought that's that's good. And we were 22 years old when we came to the Lord. And we didn't know a bunch of stuff. She wasn't raised in church at all. I knew some things, but it just we were. uh, What do we do next? And the reason I'm saying that is because it's a process for everybody here. It's a process and there's grace. Just take a big deep breath. There's there's grace. Don't don't feel guilt. Don't feel shame. Don't feel condemnation. Because like today could be a brand new day right now. Just how we start off from this day forward. That let this day bring us word of your unfailing love. Let your mercies be new to us today in our marriages and in our relationships. And so don't be overwhelmed by this as we go through it. These are discipleship issues to talk about marriage. That's why we do marriage and, and finances so often in the summer. It's in the church calendar. It's a discipleship time. And so we do discipleship things like this to help each other do this. So here we go. Remember this, everybody? We're doing this. Big issues, the big picture and big issues. Number one, mission. Who are we 
as a couple? Who are we going to be as a couple? Are we taking time to think through what about what, what are we becoming? What are we becoming together? And I want to encourage everybody to give deep consideration to who you are becoming. To give thought to what's Joe and Lisa? What, what are you guys becoming? You know, and you talk about that stuff. You give it consideration. Like I said, part of our story is that we were 22 years old and we'd started following Jesus, but we didn't know a lot to do next. And I, I was raised in a church and, and it just missed the relationship with Jesus part. So when I met Jesus in a real way, it's like I kind of intuitively knew run to community, run to the church. And so we started going a little bit, then we moved and then I kept going. She didn't go for a while. She would get upset with me for going to church, going to, going to community, community like that. And she would tell you that if she's up here. It's part of her story. It's part of our journey. And, but then she started going and we started making some friends, you know, Two of those friends are, one is an elder here, Todd Knight. This is back in 1986. How old were you in 86? Yeah. 25. 86. I'm going to point at somebody I know. 86. No, not even close. Not zero. Okay. We got 13. So it's a long time ago. And we didn't know anything. And, and, and so we ran the community and we, so what we started doing was if it was open and our friends were going to be there, we were there. We just, and what started developing in us was some identity. We were going to be people that were connected with God's people. And we would just go and we would serve. And as we served and started loving people, what we realized is, hey, there's, God's developing some things in us. We didn't know what spiritual gifts were, but God was developing those and releasing those in our lives. And as we were faithful, more opportunities came. So the church piece was huge. Jesus was the other piece that was so huge. We ran to Jesus. And again, it's just, it's experimental. George Mueller calls spending time with Jesus experimental communion. Nobody, nobody does it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. Nobody does. And it's a journey. So again, I just want to encourage everybody, no matter where you're at on the journey today, just let's, let's commit to taking some steps. And the takeaway in this, you guys, is to write it down. If you want to write something on your outlines right now, write this down. Write it down. A mission, a mission, it just is so much less a mission if it's not written down. And I would even say write anything down. Like, just write some stuff down. I, I meant to bring my note cards um, that I wrote out 23 to 20, over 23 to 25 years ago. They're darkened. They're, 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 uh, they're not white anymore. The edges are kind of off of them. And it's where I wrote some personal mission statements, mission statements about us and our relationship and our family, uh, that I was going to pray with her every day. And I was making this commitment. I was going to have a, a, a life-giving relationship with her that was marked by joy. So I had a mentor speak this into me like joy needs to be in whatever it is you write so that because you don't want to be like mission and cranky. Because, you know, completing the mission of God and being cranky is like not a good witness. It needs to look like 
it's something that brings life and joy and occasionally <laughs> affects your face <laughs> with a smile. And it's awesome. It's an awesome journey. So write it down. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was just spent about us spending time with the Lord together. And it's a big deal to put spend time with Jesus. And I, I know that it's, I can be a broken record about this, but I just, I don't care. Because it's the most important pastoral thing I could encourage you to do is to spend time with Jesus every single day. Here's about 20 years ago, I started getting really serious about this and, and it was actually talking about marriage. I had three couples that I was trying to help and encourage. They were going through some trials in their marriage and I would seek God, get a word of encouragement, some piping hot bread from God's word for them that would bring encouragement and what I thought they needed in their marriage, that kind of thing. And then it occurred to me, I should ask them, hey, are you guys praying, seeking the Lord and getting a word for how to respond to your spouse? You're going through this tension right now. You know, it wasn't Dennis, but I said, so like, Dennis, are you getting a word for Laura? And Laura, are you seeking God and getting a word for Dennis? You know, and, and what I realized was that the people I was talking with, they're like, no, no, we're not, we're not doing that. And I, what I realized was I'm seeking the Lord more for getting a word for your marriage than you're seeking the Lord for getting a word for your marriage. This is a big deal. God will tell you what to do. If you're going through tension right now and you need some help in your marriage, God will help you. He'll give you a Bible verse. He'll remind you to be humble. There's all different kinds. He'll point you to Jesus and all kinds of compassionate ways of serving and loving and caring that just completely undercut the whole tension and bring it to peace. Seven amens on that. Absolutely. So spend time with Jesus. And then the second part of that, I, some, something about community. Write down something about what are you going to be as a couple as it relates to God's people. Because for us, it was spend time with people who love Jesus. We needed that in our lives. We all need that in our lives. When we don't have community, we are like, um, we are like I'm being an antelope right now. We're like an antelope by itself, not in the herd. Or I should say, as Jason said a, a couple weeks ago when he preached, uh, a water buffalo that gets away from the herd. And it, it, he showed us a video. Did you show us a video? Or did, you told a story. You, should, you sent me a link. Yeah, I got to see it. Sorry. And so it, it's a, a, a buffalo get away from the herd. And then these lions start coming around and attacking it. And the herd runs over and they start whooping up on the lions. And the lions leave the little one that was isolated alone. Okay? So that's what community... Who are we going to be as a couple? Second piece, communication. Big picture, big issue, communication. Y'all agree? How will we communicate? How are we going to do this? And it's things like expressing love, expressing the Christ and the church vision that we're called to. It's Communication is huge. Because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are turning toward one another in love from all eternity. John 1.1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Turned toward. Turned toward. Thinking Greek right now. Turned toward, and in the fullness of their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. That's We're being in the image of that God, of our God, when we turn that way. Humility would be another piece of communication. And can I just say, 
for us in our relationships, marriage and non-marriage relationships, let's just have a green light. It's go time for humility. In Philippians 2, when Paul was trying to help the church there, they were in some arguments, specifically two women in the church were not getting along. And uh, Paul says, you should have a humble attitude. You should be like-minded and have a humble attitude like that of Jesus Christ, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, becoming obedient, even all the way down to death on a cross. That's humility. He says, be like that. Have that kind of humility. Paul says the same thing in the, to the Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives. How? Like Christ loved the church. All the way down in that, that self-emptying kind of humility. I would, I would put peaceful presence in our, in our communication as well. And when I say that, what I mean is everybody's a system. If you're married, you've got a system going on there. If you've got a family, that's a system. And we can be anxious and tense. If I bring anxiety and tension to her, guess what it does to our little system? Hey, it was horrible today. It just everything was wrong and it was bad. And oh, and I'm just, and, and for long, she's like, yeah, it's awful. It's bad. Like, I don't know about, you can help each other or you can join each other. It's bad, it's bad, it's real bad. Yeah, it's bad, it's bad, it's real bad. <laughs> and so we want to be a peaceful presence. The mature ones want to be a peaceful presence in the midst of anxiety. That's how we really help each other in our communication. It's listening. It's not hurting each other with our words. Somebody say amen at any point. Something sounds good. Uh, it's not manipulating. It's, it's honoring one another. And, and a culture thing for us, it's actually a Bible verse, but a culture thing for us since the beginning of our marriage, somehow we latched onto this, is do not go to bed angry. We're just, we're not going to go to bed angry. And that means if we're having an, an issue at three in the afternoon, we better get on it because bed's coming. That's, that's the clock. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was seeing it. And so, we gotta get, that's a culture thing for us, don't, you know, and, uh, that's what we're talking about when we talk about communication. Let me say something about communication. Communication is 55% body. Nonverbal. All the, all the different ways we can communicate. Aaron uh, Wardlaw, we had this little leadership roundtable thing, and my son-in-law, and, uh, uh, he did this book, you know, something about, he was talking about nonverbal communication. He said there's, there's friend signals. Have I shared this with the church yet? Friend signals? So friend signals are like, you raise your eyebrows and you smile, but not like biting the ear, but real smile where it does your wrinkles on your eyes <laughs> and tilting your head. That was another one. <laughs> friend, you know, and so we've been, Actually, in the staff and everything, we've been walking around with each other going, <laughs> foe signals, and I don't mean like F-A-U-X, but foe, like F-O-E. Foe signals are squinted eyes, pursed lips, uh, outstretched neck or something like that. Maybe that was versus, yeah. So, there's body language is a big deal. I, You know, when sometimes... I have, Kim and I are weird. Supposedly women have like way more words than men. 
and she's like way below average and I'm way above average. And I think it's not bad in general. We, we kind of balance out. Sometimes you have some big days, mostly mine are bigger. <laughs> and then, and then, and uh, sometimes I'll come home and she's cooking something or just in the, in the kitchen and, and she'll realize like I'm needing her to, I'm talking and I'm needing her to like, she'll set the thing off the, off the burner and turn around and give me her body attention. It's a big deal. And now we've all got these, if you've got a phone in your hand, hold it up, round. We've got these things, you know, and so like body communication, it's hard sometimes when somebody's, you're trying to say something meaningful and the phone's right there. And the, sometimes the best thing we can do is just, just put it down. Yes. Put it down or put it in another room so that you can have a meaningful conversation and be engaged with your body communication. Second area. So 55% body, 38% tone. 38% tone. 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 And so you guys, some of you guys have heard this story. This, this is real. This is part of my, my broken journey. Um, but, Sometimes Kim doesn't understand what I'm saying. And so, so she, I say a sentence. We're supposed to go over the nights at 7 p.m. And she, huh, I, what? And I'll say, I said, we're supposed to go to the nights at 7. And so my idea is that by saying it slower and with a deeper voice, the same words will get in when they didn't get in the first time. We've come to affectionately call that teachy voice at our house. And part of us fighting fair is because it's demeaning. She feels like it's demeaning. Is she can throw a flag on that. And she does that by, by going, oh, we're supposed to go to the nights at seven. <laughs> at which case I smile. Illumination comes into my darkened mind. And, and it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's, this is how we do this. And so she can do that. And that helps me. And anybody else that I, I hate to just throw it wide open to everybody in the church. Oh, we're supposed to read Ephesians next week. <laughs> Be a good thing to do. Just, just for what it's worth. So 55 body, 38% tone. Seven, that only leaves 7% for content, which is just, it's kind of sad or it's shocking. We think our content's the main thing, but if we can't do these other pieces, if we can't do these other pieces, navigate these other pieces, then the content that we have is going to be missed. It's going to be missed because nobody likes to be talked down to, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we come from different families. Do y'all know that your family affects the way you communicate in marriage and relationships? Our family was loud. Her family, quiet. Our family, you run, this is what you do. You, and so early part of our marriage, I would chase her around. Hey, wait, we need to, we got to talk about this. She said, oh, we're not going to talk about this because that's not what we, that's what way we do it. And we have to, had to learn how to come together on that, right? So family system is going to be a big deal. When you can't, when you're having trouble communicating, how do you work it out? What do you do when the, when the, when the needle starts going up into 6,000 RPMs or you get start redlining, how do you get it to come back down? Those are, those are good questions. So here's the takeaway. Takeaway is communicate about how we communicate. Communicate about how we communicate. I.e., 
do the not bed, not going to bed angry thing. Have communication about that. You may want to even write it down. One of our things is we always have permission to go low. Humility is always a green light. Always have permission to go low. Um, do we have the uh, Do we have the Happy Days clip? Yeah. So so uh, we have permission to say I'm sorry. I was wrong, but I realized that in this younger second service, I was going to have to actually show a clip because nobody would actually rem- How many knows what Happy Days is? How many knows who Fonzie is? Okay. How many know Fonzie had trouble saying he was roar roar? Can we play it? I was rude. Stuck in my throat. Stuck in my throat. Well, look, I was with you. <laughs> okay, and so another communicate about how we communicate is to say it's okay to say I'm sorry, I was wrong, and for the other person to say it's all right, I forgive you. Yeah, that's that's part of working through conflict and getting getting to a better place. Here's another one. We'll say, hey, let's just breathe. Can we just breathe right now? She sent me a text. It's been a hard week. Just this has been a hard week, and she sent me a text the other day. And I was literally at a stoplight, and I was going, "You know what? I just need to breathe right now." And I took a big, deep breath, and I looked over at my cup holder and the phone. There's a text from Kim. It says, "I think you just need to breathe." <laughs> One flesh, like that stuff happens all the time. It's really bizarre. But uh, let's just breathe. Or another one is, "Let's pray." But here's the thing. You gotta frame, let's pray. Like, you gotta say, okay, hey, we're giving each other permission to pray, and it doesn't mean that we're being super spiritual and dogging the other person in the prayer. So, it, it, you can't go, hey, can we just pray about that? I think the, the peace of the Lord cone needs to cover you because you're, <laughs> it can't be that. That's pride. It's gotta be, hey, prayer is just a, a green light for us. Let's back up, pray. We both know that, we could be throwing the spiritual superiority card, but we're not, we're not going there. It just means really let's pray. Let's back up and let's pray. So that's communicating about how we communicate. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just, Hey, can we come back to this in an hour? Because it's amazing what, if you're, you get in that amygdala zone, fight or flight, and you said something, I'm saying it's, and we're, we're titting for tatting. And, uh, tit for tat. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's not good. And, and so just backing off an hour a lot of times can give us a ability to communicate more peacefully. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number three. And all of that's because we're doing this, we're, I'm having this conversation because this is the image of God that we're created in, a God of relationship and love. The third piece then, big picture, big issues, finances. How? Excuse me, what will we do with our money? And we're spending the next couple of weeks on finances. We're, uh, this week's marriage, next week finances. And, uh, the reason I, the reason I'm putting, uh, finances here is because finances ends up being a, a, what a lot of people have struggles and tension about. And so we have to learn how to do this as not two, but one. We're one flesh. And so we do that. We learn how to do that. In a, in a unity that's, that's open. That's not, I'm not concealing. I've got my, 
my money that I'm spending over here and she's got her money that she's kind of spending over there and and but rather we're we're learning how to do this together. It really is a discipleship issue, not just as individuals, but as a couple. Are we learning together to put the Lord as number one in this marriage relationship? And so, I mean, that's why, again, early on, so much of just life, we we're just trying to figure things out. We're 22. We started going to church. And one of the first things that we started doing was experimenting with tithing. You know, and we had Todd and Jackie were in the first service here and Jackie's dad really helped us a bunch. Todd and Jackie encouraged us in just the whole tithing thing, just that the putting God first in our finances helps to order the rest of life. Back at that time, we were making $250 between the two of us every single week. Just bringing it home, baby. <laughs> bringing it home. And so, you know, Kim had no experience with this at all. My parents did, but it was like back in there and I'd never done it on my own. And so, you know, to do $25 of our two, $25 bought groceries for a week back then, you know. That sounds so bad. It sounds like we walked uphill in the snow to school. It was uphill back home. But uh, we were learning. I mean, we were just learning basic, basic stuff about putting God first in our relationship. And that laid a foundation for us to move beyond 10% in giving and then move into lots of seasons of generous, uh, extravagant kinds of giving that have been a part of our story. And I don't always talk about, you know, talk about that stuff, but some, sometimes we need to tell stories about this is how you do it and this is how you make it down the road in this whole area of, of finances and, and giving. I, I was laughing last week. Our deal has always been we get a check every two weeks. We write a, we write a check for, so that we have a check each week to put in the bucket. That's just the, the, the plate or whatever. That's the way we've done that. And Graydon was standing up here. Graydon in here. Graydon was up here last week. He goes, Hey, I'm Graydon. I'm the youth pastor. I'm a millennial. I don't own any checks. So do online giving or, you know, whatever. But I was like, Kim and I were talking. Ah, we still, we, we'll hold the check. We kind of both touch it as we're about to give it. And then we smile at each other because we, just that whole thing about we want to be cheerful givers. And then, you know, we put it in the bucket and we'll keep doing that, I guess, until the checks may go obsolete. Uh, but in the meantime, that's, that's been our, it's been our practice and our, our joy in that. So the takeaway then is to again talk about this as couples. Talk about it. I would even say write it down. And until you do a budget, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't, but it's do the budget and put tithing, giving to God, you know, whatever that is for you, right up there at the top. And then letting the rest of life happen out of that priority. 90% of our income blessed by God and under that, just that generosity of giving and then being in the grace cycle, 90% always seems to add up to more than 100% not under that blessing. That's just been my experience. Okay. Fourth, final thing, we'll wrap this up is uh, intimacy. Big issue. Big issue and, and big picture is intimacy. How will we express intimacy? And uh, here's the mystery. Paul says, but this is a profound mystery. This husband, wife, one flesh thing is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church 
And the deal is that this is an expression. It's not just how God loves His people, but this is ultimately an overflow of God's love, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the shared love and anointing of the Holy Spirit. So it's that, that Trinitarian love that we're getting in on. And so long-term, loving and joyful intimacy in marriage has God at the center of it. That's, that's how it works. Jesus Christ. When that relationship gets right here, this vertical relationship, the horizontal relationship works so much better. It's powerful. It's, it's ultimately, like Paul says, it's husbands, lay down your lives for your wives like Christ laid down His life for the church. So other-centered, self-giving, other-oriented, agape love. That's what Paul's talking about there. That's what we're called into in our marriages. And then it even is supposed to spread from there out into our other relationships and into the world. That's what this kind of love is. It's an other-centered, cross kind of love. And the takeaway here is do things that promote intimacy. Now that's actually a broad category. It's a lot of different things. It's, it's ultimately married love, but it's, it's many other things like taking a walk, talking, spending time eating meals together, asking the other person what's going on in their life, listening. You know, we have different love languages, right? Y'all, y'all heard those? I think, was it, did I say them here or is it my deja vu first service? Okay. Wow. Kind of trippy. I haven't been here before, have I? <laughs> Love languages. So, what would you say yours are? Serving. Mine's probably meaningful touch. That's why I love hugs. Um, but there's like gifts, time, like cut, touch them all, meaningful touch. That's kind of five words. Yeah, meaningful. Yeah, yeah, words. Yeah, and uh, so the, all those are huge. Learning how to do that. And the, the interesting thing is, intimacy is this combination of a lot of things. Our emotional tanks being somewhat filled up so that we've got something to give and we're not just so stressed out from everything that's happening in life, but we know how to get our tanks filled up so that we've got something to give. And that all affects you know, every kind of, of, of intimacy as well. And you know, if you need a reason to talk about this more, I mean, again, we've got the seminar happening this afternoon, but if you need a reason to talk about this more, I mean, even just quickly grab your spouse's hand. If you're, if you're married and you're sitting by your spouse, grab their hand. And just, just, you might even just, just give a squeeze. If there's something here that, hey, we want to talk about or communicate more about, just that there's a green light to do that. And we're going to spend more time on this, obviously, tonight, this afternoon and tonight. But, uh, I'll just finish with this. It's a journey. It's a process and there's grace, right? It's just, it's a journey. It takes time and nobody does it perfect. It's, a, it's experimental and there's grace. I, I heard a great story uh, this past week. Uh, one, one couple, they were going out on a date and the guy pulled out of his house, went down around the street, turned around, came back up to the house and got out, went up to the front door and knocked and took his wife out to the car, helped her in, and off they went on the date. 
that's pretty fresh. We need some toolboxing here. We need a, hey, what's fresh with you guys? Another couple that uh, is not here this morning is uh, they just a couple weeks ago got away for five days. Just spent extended time each morning. It's a cabin up in Oklahoma. Extended time in the morning with Jesus, then with each other, eating some good food, hanging out, being together. And it was the mo- he said it was the most refreshing time with the Lord and with his wife he'd had, and he couldn't even remember when. It's an older brother. So just, just awesome. The Lord is calling us to this kind of joy and life and purpose and relationships that really do express what His love is like for us as His people. Let's stand up. That's the big picture. Worship team, ministry team, come on up, Wood. Now, this is one of those messages where you know it could be something about pursuing God, something about building relationships, something about creating a culture in your marriage or in in your family. It could be one of those issues we touched on. Hey, want to talk about mission? Want to talk about communication? Or we need some prayer in that area? Or we need some prayer thinking through finances? Or we want to take the next step in those things? Any of those kind of things are great things to get prayer for, and you can pray out there as well. But God answers prayer when we take time to do it. So, and I want to also say, you know, it's been a hard week for some of us. If you just need prayer, please, if the front fills up, please just ask somebody to pray for you. And we want to, we want to minister life right now. Be the, and be the body, be the church. So Father, meet us this morning. Just bring healing, bring help, bring breakthrough. Even just earlier we were praying and, and, uh, somebody had a word about the marriage seminar. I think it's for right now too, is that God wants to bring breakthrough in the name of Jesus. So Lord, any place where we need a breakthrough, help us, Lord, and, and give, give, give grace for just being where we're at and taking the next step. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You guys come. Press into the Lord. Get prayer if you need it. Pray with somebody there close by. Amen.